Well, hello, everyone. Uh, yes, unfortunately, I'm not able to be there in person again today. Uh, I have had the privilege this week of being involved in a, a beach mission that wasn't at a beach in Manham uh, and uh, with the Super Summer Fun program, and that was a terrific thing. We got to do three of the four days of the program. I got to hand out Bibles to kids who've uh, never read the Bible before, and we got to tell them the good news of Jesus and the one unfortunate thing to come out of that is that uh, in Manham, four of the uh, the mission team uh, caught COVID that's going around, and I'm a close contact to one of those people, as I've just found out now uh, on Saturday night. So uh, I'm just going to, uh, well, I knew this week was, was going to be busy even before I knew that I was going to become a close contact. So uh, I'd planned a very different kind of sermon for today. Many of you know that I spent like, the last eight months of last year uh, working on a 16,000-word big research project as part of my studies at the Bible College of South Australia. And as I'm sure you're relieved, be relieved to know, I'm not going to read that 16,000-word report to you, but I wanted to share about what I've learned through the process of doing that. Now, I did my research project on some missions to Indigenous people in South Australia in the years 1836 to 1860. And you might be thinking, why on earth would I focus on that? Uh, and, well, one was because I really like history and I like learning about how our world and our churches and our places that we live in have become the way that they are. Uh, I mean, it was a subject I was interested in learning a lot more about because I knew virtually nothing about it. And I also wanted to write something that there wasn't, you know, already 100,000 papers written on. Uh, I wanted to do something that might actually be helpful to somebody. Uh, so I wanted to share with you briefly about, um, you know, a brief overview of these missions that I looked at. But I wanted to spend then most of the time today thinking about some of the things I learned about uh, gospel ministry, about what it means to share the good news of Jesus with others. And that was something I mentioned last week in our, in our sermon, looking forward to the year, that that was something I wanted to think about more, how we as a church share that good news with the world around us. So first, just a little bit of background on these missions. Oh, that's right. Uh, I just wanted to start off as well with these just words uh, from Paul in 1 Corinthians that have a lot of bearing on uh, some of the things we're going to be thinking about today. Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. 
the first mission that happened in South Australia to Indigenous people was run by these two gentlemen. Um, the, these were photos taken of them later in life. They were young men when they moved from uh, from Germany uh, as part of the, the Dresden Missionary Society to lead a mission to the Indigenous people in the newly settled colony of South Australia. So the guy on the left is a guy by the name of Claymore Shurman and uh, the guy on the right is Christian Teichelman. And they came over to Australia in 1838, just two years after South Australia had been founded. And shortly after, they established a mission at a place called Piltawodley, uh, which is really, um, it's just on the banks of the Torrens, just on the north side, not far from uh, where Adelaide Oval is, just across War Memorial Drive from it there. Uh, of course, it wasn't there then. And this was a place uh, where the, the protector of Aborigines, as he was called, had set up a place to, uh, you know, facilitate conversations and meet the Indigenous people. And they went there and they spoke with the Ghana people. And over the next year or a bit, they, they started to learn their language and their culture. And by the end of 1839, Shawman began a school for the Indigenous children uh, where he taught everything you know, the, from, from uh, literacy to uh, you know, lessons all about the, the Bible and everything in the Bible in the Ghana language. And um, so here, here's an artist's picture of, of the little school that they had set up at Piltawodley. And then later on, a, a, um, a third guy joined, a guy by the name of Samuel Closey. And that mission lasted until 1845, uh, at which point uh, the children were moved into a government school uh, and uh, that was the really quite the end of the mission uh, for these Indigenous uh, for these uh, Lutheran men, and they ended up uh, becoming pastors of Lutheran churches and other things. Three years later, a guy by the name of Matthew Hale arrives uh, as the archdeacon of the Anglican Church, and he sees that these Indigenous children are being uh, taught in the schools, uh, but after they finish school, there's nothing much left for them. They, um, you know, they've sort of been half brought into the world of the European people, and now they're somewhat outcasts in both societies. And so seeing nowhere for them to go and, and having had the opportunity to meet a young Indigenous man, uh, sadly on his deathbed, a man by the name of Takanaro, uh, who had come to believe in Jesus and was able to share his um, that confession of his faith and, and made a real impression on Hale, those hours that he spent with Takanaro before he passed away. And uh, seeing this, you know, this evidence that um, Indigenous people could welcome and receive the gospel, which, I mean, sounds obvious to us, but the majority view in the time that these missionaries were working was that um, these these people were beyond the help of the gospel, that they're that that as the the white man was coming into Australia, that the indigenous people were dying out from diseases and other causes, and most people just thought that that was natural, that was that was Darwinism, natural selection, and that there was really no point wasting any effort on the Aboriginal people. Uh, but Matt, but Hale saw things very differently, and so he 
established a mission in Penindi, not very far from uh, Port Lincoln, which had been settled shortly before. And he'd modelled his mission on an English village. And there he, he really he taught the Indigenous people to not, you know, not just the gospel, but he taught them to be Europeans, to, to become like uh, the European people, to be civilised uh, as well as evangelised. But after, after a few years of that mission, uh, on, which, on the mission, none of the people were required to be Christians to stay on the mission, but on, uh, 10 of them, 10 of the, the men and women of the mission received the gospel. They received the good news of Jesus Christ. And after many conversations with Hale, the decision was made that they would be baptised. Uh, by the by, the bishop when he came by because you know they're Anglicans, but um, yeah, and and over the next few years, dozens, dozens of of baptisms of people coming to faith and uh, and and believing in Jesus and receiving eternal life uh, came about, and Hale was convinced of the sincerity of their faith by the sad reality that. A lot of these people died at the mission uh, because the the indigenous people had no real immunity to a number of the diseases that Europeans had brought with them, and so disease was a real problem. And when, as many of these people who had received the gospel died, the faith that they had that they were going home to be with Jesus uh, was something that really impressed upon Hale about the work, uh, about the the value of holding out the gospel. And there are some of the, the men, not these men that you see before you, Joseph Madeline and uh, Daniel Tudko uh, on the mission. They not only received the gospel, but they took responsibility for encouraging the other men on the mission in the gospel. They went and proclaimed the gospel to their own uh, their own people uh, on, on the Murray and, and uh, in one case and over there on the Air Peninsula in another. Now, I find all of this history, all of this stuff happened absolutely fascinating, but this isn't a history lecture. Uh, it is a sermon. So I want to share the things that I learned, the things that I want to remember in my ministry as a result of this research that I've done going forward. And I've already given away the first one on the screen. The one first thing that was really impressed upon me is that the message that we preach matters. Uh, at Piltawodley, when Shurman and Teichelman attempted to share the gospel in Ghana, they in the Ghana language, they struggled with a problem that, in the words that uh, Shurman expressed, it was easier to teach law than grace, to teach thou shalt not, than uh, forgiveness by the atonement of Jesus Christ, just struggling to find the words to express that in, in another language, uh, to a, in, a, in a place where a lot of these ideas were very unfamiliar. And we've seen throughout the world the default of so much of religion is to go towards salvation by works, by you, sh you should not do these things and you should do these things and if you do these things and you don't do these things, God will be happy with you and you get the rewards of uh, whatever that faith system is. And that is so much of human religion, but it is not the gospel. 
The gospel, of course, stands apart because it is about how we did all of the things that we weren't supposed to do, that we can't do all of the things that we are supposed to do, that Jesus, in his love, came to be among his people. He came to teach us about God and about his kingdom. And he, by grace, went to the cross, took our sins upon himself and paid the price for those sins so that we might be forgiven and have eternal life, not because we are good enough, but because he was good enough, not by works, but by grace. Now, with the problem that these missionaries had in sharing grace, many of their conversations led to uh, you know, trying to instill in the indigenous, the Ghana people that they were uh, uh, sharing the gospel with, they were trying to instill in them a fear of hell, to, to instill in them that they were sinners deserving of God's wrath so that the news of forgiveness and grace would be good news. But often they didn't get to that good news part. And the problem was they had a tendency, as you read through their, their accounts of many of the uh, conversations they had with the Ghana people, they had a tendency to emphasise sins unique to Indigenous culture, uh, to the Ghana culture. And this was things like, uh, you know, their, their particular brand of spirituality and some of the, um, you know, the, the witchcraft type practices, as, as the missionaries called it, uh, that were, you know, various forms of sorcery and, and of uh, calling curses upon people. Uh, and also uh, one of the things that led to a huge amount of conflict between the missionaries and the Indigenous people is that sometimes as a nomadic people, if uh, you know, a, a, an Indigenous mother had more children than she was able to take with her, uh, sadly one of the children would be, uh, you know, a newborn children would, child would not, uh, would be put to death or would be left to die, which is, tragic which is undoubtedly a sin but what was really difficult was that to the Ghana people these were intrinsic parts of their culture and they didn't see them as sins now my point is not that they weren't sins that they undoubtedly were but holding out the gospel of grace holding out the forgiveness of God is only good news if we you know, if it's offered for something that we consider to be a sin, if we offer forgiveness for something that people don't consider to be a sin, it's not good news, it's just a confusion. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that sins should not be confronted, but I wonder whether sometimes, sometimes we can zero in on sins that other people do that we don't. We can have a way of saying, you need to repent for that sin because that sin makes you worse than I am. That sin uh, is something that, that God you know, will absolutely judge you for. Um, instead of starting with offering forgiveness for the things that they actually feel guilt for, feel some remorse for, that as people can taste and see the goodness of God's forgiveness, that then then we might be able to confront the other sins. 
And I think in this there can be an element, like I said, of uh, where, where we have different cultures, where we have people that are different to ourselves, of picking the speck in the eye of the other, of picking their sin that's different to ours uh, and, and making out like because their sin is different than ours, that it is worse than ours. I think about whether the church, whether we sometimes do this, not so much in uh, ministry to Indigenous people, but look, for example, at um, the LBGT movement uh, for, for the, the various um, yeah, sexual sins, sexual uh, immoralities, uh, as the Bible calls them, that are expressed uh, by um, yeah, in, in this movement. And do we fixate on those sins and say, you're a sinner for these sins which they feel no remorse for? Uh, say, God offers you forgiveness for those things which they don't consider to be sins. Instead of coming alongside them as people, uh, as, yes, they are sinners, but coming alongside them as Jesus came alongside sinners, of offering them forgiveness for the things that they feel remorseful, for the things that, that do keep them awake at night, and then having seen the goodness of God, having seen the power of his grace and forgiveness, then we might tackle the thornier issue of sins that are tied in uh, to people's sense of identity of who they are. So in all of this, sin is serious. Hell is real. And there is punishment for sins. And people do need to know that they're sinners. Uh, so I'm not denying any of that. But in this, in, in researching this and in seeing what happened there at the Piltawoli Mission, it made me really think about the, the message that we preach, that we preach a message of grace um, that, yes, require, includes the part that we need forgiveness, that we need uh, salvation but that particularly offers forgiveness into people in a way that it comes across to them as grace rather than condemnation. Now, the second thing I, I wanted to draw out from these things that I've looked at, uh, the second thing that I, I learned about gospel ministry or, or want to emphasise more about gospel ministry is that our heart matters, not just the message, not just what we do. And this was something I... I considered particularly from the Penindi mission, which uh, that was the one with Matthew Hale over near Port Lincoln, which in Christian ministry terms, in missionary terms, did so much wrong. Instead of just trying to share the gospel with another people, uh, they got so tied up in this whole civilising, in, in making the Indigenous people become like Europeans instead of being like Paul who would become like the Gentiles to spread the word to the Gentiles, here they are making the, the, the Gentiles be like them, to making the indigenous people be like the Europeans in order to share the gospel with them. As, in terms of sharing the gospel the way Paul uh, exhorts us to in Scripture, they kind of did it all wrong. So why? 
I have, uh, you know, Peter at the, um, uh, in Acts at the time where they were talking about the Gentiles coming to faith, joins in this argument about whether the Gentiles should be required to follow the law. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He didn't discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is by the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. So as both Paul and Peter would say, the mission at Pernindi did so much wrong in that part of sharing the gospel. So why did so many people come to faith there? Why did first that, that 10 on that one day and then dozens of them come to faith at the Penindi mission. And in reading more into it, and, and this was a big part of the project, I, I looked into why why did this happen? When why did this work when by all accounts it shouldn't have? And I think the answer is found in 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Love covers a multitude of sins. Matthew Hale did a lot wrong. But he dearly loved the people at that mission. Uh, he he um did you know despite being a clergyman and and uh, not knowing very much about uh, you know farm life and things. I, I can say as a clergyman, I don't know very much about farming, even though I, I grew up, uh, <laughs> you know, and even uh, spent some time working on the farm. But he didn't ask the, the people on the mission to do any kind of work that he wouldn't do himself, that, that he uh, set out to, to do and to you know, set an example in doing those things. Um, he really had a quite, um, yeah, he had a great rapport with the people. He had lots and lots of conversations with them. He, um, you know, one example of the high respect that he had for the indigenous people was those photos that I showed you before. Um, the way that he he uh, took the took some of the men from the mission to get photographed and and some of the women as well, although I didn't have those pictures. Uh, that was a very expensive process in those days, and those photos were done to sort of show the dignity, the respect of the indigenous people of the subjects of the photos, and show us the respect. That he holds them in, if you um, you know, consider the culture and the context of the time. I have um, there's a letter that was written by some of the indigenous people to Hale years and years after uh, he had left the mission in the hands of others, and they address him, "My dear father, I, with the rest of your sons and daughters who are still alive, received one of your letters." There was a, a real love there, a familial sense between the people. I, I won't read the whole letter, but, you know, that address just shows how warmly the people of Penindi felt about uh, Matthew Hale all of these years after. Uh, 
Um, and there's more that I can go into, but um, like I said, I, I wasn't going to give you the whole 16,000 word project. But I just thought it was incredible to think about the fact that they did so much wrong, but love covered the multitude of sins. When we set out to share the gospel, I've got news for you. We will make mistakes. We will get things wrong. And I don't say that so that we can just be you know, lax about, oh, it doesn't really matter if we make mistakes. We don't want to make mistakes. We want to minimize making mistakes. But we will get things wrong, even if we don't realize we're getting them wrong. But we need to know that love, when we love people, Love covers a multitude of sins, and they will know that we are Christians by our love. When we have, you know, we, we had an outreach, the Life Series last year, and we hope to have another one this year. And there are a lot of details. There are a lot of things. There, there's a, you know, a script to go through. There's food to be served. There's lots of, uh, you know, bits, uh, no, notes that have got to be hit throughout the night. There are things you want to get across. And you can get so focused on the details and getting all of those right that you, f you, you forget to love people. You forget to focus on people. Or you get so stressed because things are going wrong that you're short with people. When love is you know, the heart of who we are as Christians, that the way that they know that we are Christians, love will cover a multitude of sins. If we forget to love people, then things have gone as wrong as they can possibly go. No matter what we do, we could do you know, the greatest miracles and we'll be like a clanging gong, a resounding symbol. Love is at the heart of our witness to others. And I, I just find that so encouraging to know that sometimes not everything will go right. Sometimes you'll be three days into your mission and then suddenly somebody on the team will have COVID and you have to call off the last day. Lots of things can go wrong, but love covers a multitude of sins. And my last point uh, you'll be pleased to know is a short one. Uh, all of these missionaries that we've looked at were products of their own culture. They... They really they stood out from the culture around them. I talked about how the majority view was that Indigenous people were dying out and that was just natural and that was just uh, the survival of the fittest and there was really no point bothering to teach the, the Indigenous people about Jesus. Uh, they, they probably couldn't even receive it anyway. And, he, you know, these missionaries stood up against that and they said, no, these are people made in the image of God. And they are equal with us in God's sight. But so they stood apart from their culture, but they were also a part of their culture. And they had their blind spots. They saw evangelization, reaching indigenous people with the gospel, and civilization, making them more like Europeans, as, as hand in hand. That's, you know, one thing is the same as the other, just about. We're also part of a culture, and we also stand against it in many ways. But we also have blind spots. What are those blind spots? I don't know. Otherwise, they wouldn't be blind spots. 
But what that just encourages me to do is to be humble in how I evaluate faithful Christians uh, in other times, like when we're looking back in history, but also in other contexts, in other places of the world, that uh, faithful Christians reaching out to do God's work might do things that we think are strange. We might be able to see their blind spots very easily. But we can't see our own, which they would be able to see the things that we get wrong. And that's why it's also just very really valuable as Christians that we listen to Christian voices, faithful Christian voices from beyond our culture, either you know from other countries or from other times. Uh, there's real value in, in reading um, you know, great Christian minds of the past that challenge us about the way that we do some things here and now in the 21st century. But we, we can see all these things to be reminded that people don't have to be just like us to be God's people. That God is making a people of every nation and tribe and tongue. He's bringing together a people with nothing in common except that we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. That we have received his forgiveness that we've put our hope in the cross, in his death and in his resurrection and in his promise of everlasting life. And together, of people of every nation, tribe and tongue, will be with him forever with our differences creating beautiful harmony. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will help us to be faithful as your people in reaching out, in sharing the good news that there is grace, there is forgiveness for sins, that there is everlasting life, and the way to get in is not by doing enough good things and by not doing too many bad things. We've all failed that test. None of us can do enough good things and all of us have done too many bad. But in your love, you sent Jesus. In your love, Jesus, you came for us to give us forgiveness, to redeem us, to give us everlasting life and to give us a great message, a great hope to hold out to the world around us. We pray that you'll, be help, uh, you'll help us to be faithful in preaching that message. Help us to preach a message, a gospel of grace that, yes, calls you know, the world to account for sin, that says that sin must be forgiven, but holds out that forgiveness with great love. We pray that you will help us to do us to, to, to do all things in love, knowing that love covers a multitude of sins. And we pray that you will help us to just be humble, to know that we're not perfect, and to be to be reminded that we are part of a great community that you are bringing together across all the world, made of every nation and tribe and tongue singing the praises of Jesus Christ, who died that we might live. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.